here. It's a couple of crazy people, aka a couple of crazies. You probably thought we weren't doing this anymore because it's been so long since you've heard from us, but we've been busy. We've been traveling the globe during a pandemic. Safely, we're fully vaccinated and have tested about a bajillion times over the last few weeks. <laughs> what an intro ad. But we are, in fact, back. We are no longer traveling to weddings, holidays, etc., near and far, and we are excited to catch up on all things Duke. When last we spoke, Duke was about to kick off ACC play with a game, I believe, against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, Adam, as my fact checker, please uh, keep me honest here, um, with a win over Virginia Tech. That was the very first thing we missed. But Ad, let's really, I mean, catch the people up. A lot has happened, a lot of action. I'm tired even just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, well, you said it correctly. Uh, since we last spoke, ACC play has begun. They are playing real competition. No disrespect to the other schools Ouch. that they've played previous to that. But we have noticed the difference in um, difference in scores, right? Uh, closer games, tougher competition. Um, overall, just a better quality of opponents and talent on the floor. But it's really, really great to see how they um, do against that talent um, as, a, as a precursor to uh, the tournament. So... Since we last spoke, you know, we'll keep it brief. Four and one feels like it should be five and zero. Oh. That one loss was to Miami, the one game in the last maybe four or five years that we did not watch. Yeah, that because, we just completely missed. Because I was uh, an officiant at a wedding, and uh, of course we were at the wedding in another country, um, and we decided that we were not going to uh, be able to uh, watch it back later. Um, and to and clarify, like normally I'm a psycho about this. Normally it's like we go into full social media deprivation. No one talks to me. No one looks at me. I record it. And like actually no one can speak to me until I've seen the game. If it's going to be multiple days before you're home and you're like trying to exist as a human in the wild, that is difficult to preserve. And honestly, there is nothing worse than when you wait in your happy little bubble to watch a loss let alone a maddening loss that comes down to the last 30 seconds. So you know what? Good riddance and Godspeed. Yeah, it was tough to get that notification at around 11 o'clock that they lost, but uh, we were upset for a little bit, but we uh, turned it around. And I have not turned it around. Have. I'm still pissed off. <laughs> hey, listen, Duke's only lost two games. Both of them feels like they should be Ws. They were winning uh, at the very end in both of them. They could easily be undefeated right now, but I think we both know that some tough losses do ultimately in the long run do well for a team. Yeah, yeah. It's like building character. This is like when you're a kid and you struggle and your parents make you struggle through things. They say it'll build character. I don't know. I don't love the character building. Don't love the process. Anyway, but we digress. Of course, in that stretch also, we have to mention that there were two games that were postponed uh, against Notre Dame and Clemson, both pretty good schools. So um, I guess those games will be made up later in the year. They don't say canceled. They say postponed. So One of them, I think, has been rescheduled already for the 31st of January. I'm not going to try to guess which one it is because I feel that I will screw up the order of operations. I think you're right. I think that's Notre Dame. Yes. So that one, that one must be what was slotted in. But yes, the plan is to reschedule both. Neither will be canceled. But the Omicron variant caught up with uh, the Duke program and worked its way through a whole bunch of the team, which of course is an experience that is happening to so many teams across so many sports, collegiate, professional, and otherwise. 
But this is just notable for this Duke team because this isn't like one player with a stomach bug or something who misses a game. So many of the players were sick that to comply with protocols, to make sure that everybody could get healthy as quickly as possible, there was a full week, if not a bit longer, of no games but no practice. Even, you know, early in the season during exams, you know, when you have these um, light stretches in their schedule, the team is still practicing. There just aren't games scheduled. This was like a true dry spell in a way that really undermines conditioning. So I think that some of that, to be fair, is what we've seen in a couple of these games back since that time as well. Yeah, and just this past week uh, against Wake Forest, uh, Coach K actually wasn't able to make it because he had an unrelated to COVID virus. Uh, that kept him off the sidelines. Um, but we should mention, uh, based on where we are in uh, Duke's history, that John Shire was the acting head coach, um, and he got another W. He had one game last year that he had a coach uh, yep. in, in Coach K's absence. So um, another nice win against Wake Forest, 12-point victory. Um, good job, Coach Shire. Yes, exactly. He is a 2-0 as acting head coach, hopefully with many hundreds to come as a official head coach. But that's a, that's for next season. That's when it is the real deal. Um, Ad, what else do we have to say that is We have a new worthy? segment on this show. Oh, we do. Tell the people about the new segment. I like it. We're going to call it Rising Star and Falling Knife. And you have to say it like that. Rising star and falling knife. Well, in an uncharacteristic turn of events, I'm going to propose live in front of the people that maybe I kick us off with the rising star before we get your commentary. Normally, all positivity sits in your column and all negativity sits in mine. Um, but I feel like we could invert the order, before keep things who, exciting. Before you say who it is, we have to oh. explain what this segment is if you couldn't get it by the name. Um, well, I'm hoping that the people can get it by the name. I have faith in our listeners. However, we're not going to recap all the games, but we wanted to do is just a quick who is a player that has been really, really impressive and, and, you know, trending upwards. And then who is a player that's trending maybe the other direction? And I think this is a particularly interesting time to introduce this hot new segment because because of all of this, the COVID weirdness of the week of no practice, you had a game that Coach K missed. It's been very choppy. And in that, I think we've seen some questionable play or questionable decision-making or people who just seem like they're struggling a bit, who going into our last episode when we last spoke with you all seemed hot and in it and focused and really trending in the right direction. So it's just an interesting moment to take stock of a couple of players specifically. So... Who is our rising star? We have to say rising star, happier. It's like going up. It's amazing. So I'm excited to talk about this player, A.J. Griffin, who was injured in the preseason time but had missed his – fact check me, Ad. I believe junior and senior years of high school due to injury um, – but really has a ton of promise and star power that we'd kind of just been hearing about throughout the fall. I would say, like, you saw little glimpses, but limited minutes, a play here or there where you could kind of see that potential. And I feel like over the past three to five games, A.J. Griffin has really stepped out as a leader. I would say right now he's playing second best to Paolo Bancaro. I think he has been arguably one of the most consistent players. He is hitting his shots. He's getting more minutes. It's really been a joy to see. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of NC State, which was not a bad performance, he kind of was just a little quiet because 
Medium. The rest of the team was kind of handling the scoring. Um, you know, previous to that, the Wake Forest game was his breakout game this year so far, 22 points, um, 3 of 5 from 3. And that was sorely needed in that game, if I can say. As much as it was a win, it was, I don't know, it felt a little meh, especially the first half to me of that game. So he was really a, a much-needed boost. Something to say is, like, he's, t- he's turned the ball over five times this entire year. Um, or Fallen Knife could take a page out of that book. Well, here we go. The Fallen Knife, uh, I'm just concerned about him. It, yeah, like, we're worried. Maybe we need to bring in a professional. I don't know. Some might disagree with us here, but I'm going to say Wendell Moore Jr. It's 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 just because, really, he started the year off so great. Like He's a changed human. fine, um, but it's just, you know, you look at the game logs from the beginning of the season – uh, and you, and the thing that really gets me nervous is the turnovers. Um, you know, he's turning the ball over just a lot. He didn't against Wake Forest at all, but he had six turnovers against Miami, four against NC State, and then three in both the Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech game. And, you know, he does have some good assist numbers, and so that ratio is important. But, you know, it's a little concerning. His scoring has definitely diminished a bit. Uh, overall, he's still having a very, very good season, and I hope he could, it's just a little bump in the road. But right this second, it's a bit of a falling knife, and just don't know what we're going to see the rest of the year. But still having a good year, but at this moment, um, that's who my falling knife is. I completely agree, and I would say my perception, obviously, I'm not in, in Wendell's head. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not Coach K, all the things that we all know to be true. However... I have the perception that it's a very um, mental game for Wendell Moore in a way that almost reminds me of like a Jack White where I feel like maybe he's like a little out of his groove, a little bit rattled. His confidence has been a little bit undermined and that if he can break through that and really if the coaching staff can kind of help him work through that, that that's what will unstick things. Like he played like a fundamentally changed player at the beginning of the season and really just before our, our last episode. So that's still there. I, I think that maybe it's a confidence thing, a psychological thing that he has to kind of get over the hump of um, and hopefully do so quickly because uh, things are not, the road's not getting easier. They're not going to be uh, less challenging um, teams in our path. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you know, that's it. I mean, there's some other players that are kind of just like, steady and like not playing great not playing terribly i wasn't planning on talking about him but a couple that come to to mind just tell us give the people your spontaneous opinions ad i I would say like trevor keels and and well the nc state game mark williams was was really great but after Um, a quieter couple of games marky mark was making me nervous so i was pleased to see how he performed in the nc state mark williams almost had a triple double with eight blocks in the nc state game and really turned it on uh mainly in the second half of the first half and then, of course, the second half. Um, But he started out a little slow, and I was nervous about him. Um, I did expect a little bit more from Keels this season after his amazing, you know, first game in Madison Square Garden. Um, I think that is an unfair criticism, I'm just going to say. He's still still had a good year and has been a very good year. I would add a very in front of the good. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's more steady. I was expecting a little bit more. That doesn't mean it's bad in any way. Um, Overall free throw shooting of the team needs to improve. That's an overall team thing. Somehow that is an eternal problem that has plagued this program in the past couple of years, which is super frustrating. And I will, again, I'm not Coach K. I'm not a professional. I'm just sharing my personal opinions. But I think that that is 
an overarching change I've seen from watching Duke basketball as a kid and growing up over the years versus this kind of like superstar, one and done, one to two years and done year. So 2010, when they win the championship, is that 2009 to 2010? Yes, correct. So in that year, they're shooting 76% free throw shooting Okay, as a team. With John Shire and Nolan Smith on the team. Got a shout out. This year, 72.6. So definitely lower. It has an effect. Not necessarily crazy, but what's interesting is the 2014-15 team that also won a championship, 69%. So they were a pretty terrible free throw shooting team, and they still won a championship. I just think that's been almost like a culture shift at Duke. I feel like back in the day, it was like a given that there were all these four-year players and the fundamentals were super strong. And I just think that there can be a thing even with like superstar players where you just expect perfection out of everything that they do, where some of the fundamentals of the basics, like free throws, can be softer than you necessarily want to see. So in 2006, this is fun, J.J. Reddick's senior year, the team was 76. He was 86%, so he was a phenomenal free throw. I mean, yeah, free throw shooter. But, the, but you know, they seem to be in the 70s. It could be one of these things where... It feels like they're worse, but they're really not that much worse because if you look at the the prior years, definitely in the uh, you know not even the early two thousands, they're still around seventy to seventy four. So it's not yeah, really the stats what it seems. don't make it seem like it's as extreme as it feels like, and it may just be that we're hyper aware of it because there have been so many games, too many games where either sticky situations, stressful situations, or ultimately losses have come down to not hitting free throws. Yeah, I mean, you come back, to, you go back to the year with Zion and RJ. I'm curious to see what these numbers look like. Yeah, that, that was a pretty bad free throw shooting team. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was Zion, so that's it. Everything is like, but it was Zion, so that's different. Zion was 64 percent, and RJ was 66. I know, but he was trying to like shatter the backboard every five seconds. He was busy doing other things that were considered to be productive by many. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, all things considered, this year has been one of their better free throw. Shooting teams, actually, uh, Luke Kennard's senior year, uh, sophomore year when he left, 2016-2017, they were twenty almost 76%. All right, we're rambling now, but this is interesting to look at, and the it's, point it's been is, a topic of conversation. Yes, we talk about it a lot. It's something that we're paying attention to, um, and hopefully an area where they can just continue to trend in the right Direction as the season goes on because these games are only going to get closer. It's not like the, the competition is going to get easier. Um, and with that... And hold on, one more thing on free throws. Oh, tell us. Duke has made more free throws this year than their, their opponents, opponents have, have attempted. even attempted. Um, but what that means is they get fouled a lot and they need to take advantage of that. And these losses that they had have been by one or two points. Um, all right, we're going to move past this um, and talk a little bit about what's next on Duke's schedule. As yeah, so f- what's coming up? Talk to me, Ad. We're back. You're no longer officiating weddings. We're not leaving this apartment. I'm never missing a game again. Let's do this. Well, we have our first stretch of consistent, tough games. Really, this is what we want, right? Like, Every few game, a few days, they have a game against a tough opponent. Yep. And this is the first stretch where there really shouldn't be, uh, you know, any breaks in the middle of that. Knock on wood. Um, You're giving me anxiety, but tell us more. Florida State tomorrow night, 9 p.m. on ESPN. 
uh, Syracuse just uh, you know a few days after that, and then Clemson and Louisville. All these games are tough opponents. Um, they're going to be at FSU, um, home against Syracuse uh, and Clemson, and then at Louisville and Notre Dame. These are, and then right after that, UNC in the beginning of February. So they have a tough schedule coming up. Um, but it's really, really uh, going to be interesting to see how these freshmen who have faced, you know, a good amount of adversity and some tough losses this year, how they're going to compete uh, now that they have a consistent schedule. I agree. And one of the things that gives me the most hope and makes me the most excited about this team compared to other compositions of, of Duke teams the past few years is it seems to me, at least, like they are truly having fun playing together. And I don't mean that in like a soccer, soccer mom to six-year-olds, like everybody has fun and wins a medal kind of way, because that is not how I feel. National championship or die, that is the path we are on. However, I do think that if the players are having fun, that builds their confidence. And I think that the brotherhood thing is real for this group. And I think that being bought in, even when things are tough and if they lose games, that I think is going to be essential over the next couple of months as things progress. Um, there are there have been seasons or games where in the past where I felt like I want it more than the players do. And I feel like these guys want it for each other. They're so pumped up to see each other succeed and win. And that's more again in like that psychological side of things. But I don't think that you can underestimate how important that is. So that's something that gives me a lot of hope to to see what's ahead for this team. Well, we'll see how our rising star, who we should have mentioned, is now in the starting lineup, took Jeremy Roach's spot, uh, continues to perform. Um, It's going to be exciting to see them. They always play tough uh, against Florida State. So tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Tuesday the 18th, that is. Yes. And uh, we will be back hopefully sooner than uh, we were this time. So we will see you um, shortly, hopefully after a couple Duke W's. Uh, Any final comments? Nope. That's all I got. Bleed blue. Go Duke. (laughs) This has been a couple of crazies. Follow us on Instagram. Talk to you soon. 